We still do seven NUFC Matters show a week for free. But if you want to help support NUFC Matters, then there are a few ways of doing it. Hit the like button on each live broadcast and video. This helps the channel grow. Hit the subscribe button and select the all notifications bell so you don't miss a single show. If you want to help us financially, then you can join the channel using this button with the membership starting at $1.99 a month. Or you can drop us a donation in the chat using a super sticker. We're also looking for sponsors. If you'd like your brand advertised on the flies for the show and featured during the ad break, then email john at nufcmatters.com to arrange today. Good morning, welcome to NUFC Matters with me, Steve Wraith. It is Thursday morning, delighted to welcome the two legends, Super Mac and Gibbo. How are you, lads? I'm good. Yeah, all right. All right, Steve, thank you. Good to see you guys, good to see you. As always, an hour of Newcastle United chat and uh, your chance to ask the two legends a question. Uh, get them in, we'll be looking back at the last seven days at Newcastle United. And first of all, a big thank you to everybody who watches the channel. Uh, we do put this up. Uh, when we get them, uh, YouTube send us a notification of how many views we've had. Three million minutes watched last month, 251,000 views. Thanks very much for uh, tuning in and welcome to the 127 new subscribers to the channel. Uh, still uh, the only NUFC Matters uh, channel out there and uh, the biggest one, biggest podcast channel out on the, uh, the YouTube platform. So thank you very much for your support. We never take it for granted. Uh, let's go back to the weekend, Malcolm. And the uh, the Malcolm McDonald derby, Newcastle United <laughs> versus Arsenal. Um, the Arsenal came to St James's Park and they left licking their wounds a little bit. Felt a little bit aggrieved. Lots of uh, lots of chat around this. It's gone into the middle of this week. People still talking about the should the goal stood, shouldn't the goal have stood. The only thing that matters, Malcolm, is the goal stood. Newcastle won one nil. Three points in the bag. Thank you very much. Another step towards Champions League qualification again next year. But um, what was your what was your take on the game? I really enjoyed it, Mal. Mm, uh, yeah, yes, I did in a very tense way. Um, but uh, but uh, uh, Arteta, the the manager, um, he was more spitting blood, I think, <laughs> and has been all week um, ever since. That uh, it, it, complete ridiculous overreaction from him, but nevertheless, um, I thought that that Arsenal, although they're brilliant on the ball, um, Newcastle, the defensively we were incredible, absolutely incredible in the way that we constantly got back, um, dealt with any uh, um, any and all Arsenal attacks, and uh, and then. Um, got it to the other end. It, it, it was absolutely fantastic to watch. And and usually I can be quite relaxed watching a game, even though it, it might be a bit tense. I just found this particular game, um, the football wasn't um, really um, of, of great quality necessarily, but 
the tension in the game I found uh, um, so uh, uh, um, I couldn't take my eyes off of anything that was happening on the field at all. Um, and, uh, and for 90 minutes, I, w I was just totally absorbed into what was happening on the pitch. And, um, uh, but I thought that throughout uh, that Newcastle, although they had uh, much less possession, ne nevertheless, I thought that they were the more dangerous of the two sides. And, uh, and, and I, I really do feel that, uh, that Newcastle deserved that win. Um, and really, where, where uh, Arteta, he's hugely criticising um, the referee, the linesman, and, and the VAR officials. I think they're to be congratulated. They were that thorough in the way that they went about it and afterwards they gave the explanation um that uh, there there was nothing concrete to disallow the goal for and i and that's how they should go about it unless it's concrete you give the goal and uh, and so well done to them all of them um even though i thought the referee had a bit of a stinker um and arteta saw it all with that the referee was all against Arsenal and that wasn't the case there was a, a huge number of 50 50 situations that that that, it, that went against Newcastle and I um and I, I felt that he was more inclined towards Arsenal than he was Newcastle I mean um, but, but, but I thought some of some of the displays that uh, that we that we were lucky enough to witness on Saturday were absolutely terrific. I mean, I feel that uh, Arteta thought he was being very clever. Arsenal lost for the first time this season in the league. And mm. he decided <clears throat> to make an issue of the referees and officialdom, the normal people that are put in the stocks, and take the whole um, look at the match away from where Arsenal found out. Did they play poorly? Did they not create chances? Mm. He took the whole emphasis off the game and put it on, we were badly done to by the officials. This is happening far too often. Yeah, but the officials who were 200 miles away. But, I mean, you know, it, it, it was a very clever, he thought it was clever, ploy to take the after-match discussion away from whether Arsenal deserved to lose, whether they're in trouble challenging Man City, etc., etc., and make it, this is an outrage, this is a disgrace. Mention VAR, and you know you've got the headlines for the next three days, because mm. VAR is so contentious. And I think he deliberately took everything away. I think he, he, he wants to have a good look at... I mean, for being... I don't necessarily like good losers, because I don't like the second word, which is losing. Um but there's a way to lose and there's a way to win. John, you're absolutely right on that. That's, yeah, that's he, exactly that was, how I felt. Yeah, he was an absolute disgrace. He should have looked mm. at two people. He should have looked at the way Bobby Robson handled things in his time. An yeah. absolute gentleman that handled defeat with dignity. And I tell you what, 24 hours later, there was a war of attrition 
at Spurs, Spurs v Chelsea, which was as fiery as Newcastle v Arsenal. You, and another North London side lost their unbeaten record, Spurs, and Mohammed at home, Mohammed 4 1 at home. But the dignity shown by the big Greek Aussie was magnificent. He took it on the chain. He said, This happens. I'm not going to persecute officials. We lost. It might be contentious, but it swings mm. in roundabouts. It happens. We'll dust ourselves up, but we will always be on the front foot and attack. I think he gave Arteta an absolute lesson in management yes. in terms of how to handle the whole situation. He was absolutely brilliant. <clears throat> and he had more reason to be a grieved mind than, than uh, Arteta did. Because mm. until uh, the whole situation changed, and Spurs were in charge. Spurs had started brilliantly, got taken out of the comfort zone, down to nine men eventually, all sorts of things happening. Um, it would have been very easy for him to go down the same route. He did not. And I think he gave an absolute example. Arteta, he sure. will be loved by Arsenal fans because he's put them back on the path to winning things, which I haven't really been on since Wenger. But by the rest of football, he's extremely disliked now. I mean, the way it goes on on the touchline he is as mm. objectionable as it's possible to be. Yeah, and it makes you wonder, doesn't it, that it seems that he's learned nothing from uh, from Pep up in Manchester. No. You know, he, uh, he handles himself um, with dignity. Well, I mean, as I said afterwards in my chronicle report, I was talking about uh, Arteta, you know, with his Spanish blood course and thumb being a, a whirling dervish on the touchline, you know, all over, leaping up and down. And, of course, uh, Eddie Howe, who has the mad dog to do that, just stands there, Mr. Cool, doing the English mm -hmm. gentleman. And I said if they'd both been rock guitarists, Arteta would be... Pete Townsend of the Who, who leapt all over the stage, and and, and uh, Eddie would be uh, Bill Wyman when he was in the Rolling Stones, who just stood stone faced and played his guitar and got on with it. Yeah. Totally, totally different guys. But I mean, Arteta <laughs> is really getting up my nose now. Before the game, during the game, and for a little while, the way it goes on. I mean, the fourth official spends his whole time trying to tie him inside mm -hmm. the, um, the, yes. the technical area outside of the dugout because he's never in there. He's up and down the touchline. He's interfering. He's complaining. I mean, he, he's on the field more than he's right back. Mm -hmm. I thought he was overlapping. He's right back at one stage <laughs> in, in, in the second half going whipping down the field. I mean, <clears throat> he's crazy. And then... Um, it's a shame because he's got an attractive side and he's trying to divert attention away from a bad result. But he's also diverting attention away from a good side by repeatedly going on like this. Yes, he is. But he side. also diverted attention away from the fact that uh, that that, uh, that Arsenal player should have been sent off. Oh, yes, Havertz, for the, when he decapitated yeah. uh, Sean Longstaff. Yeah. Um, that never got a mention, by the way. In, no, in that's right. That, that was no all mention, no mention under of the carpet. That. But uh, it, was a, it was a nasty, nasty tackle, and he knew exactly what he was doing. Yes, he did. Sure. Yes, he did. And he's got yeah, a history. He's got a recent history over the top and late.
It was poor. It was really, yes. really poor. I thought the whole match was a war of attrition. I, I fully follow what you said, mm -hmm. Malcolm, that you couldn't, you, it's a nail biter. It's um, tension. Oh, oh I And, and it, the game the next day, funny enough, a little less tension for us because we weren't involved. But um, I thought Spurs and Chelsea was exactly the same sort of ga uh, same sort of game. Um, yes. But I, I thought we were terrific. And when you think of the number of games we've played uh, with the squad that we have, which is getting reduced by the moment, I mean, we can now run a, a lottery. When Newcastle run out on the pitch, why don't all get numbers and draw them out of a hat about which bloke is going to go off injured first? Because yeah. you know, targets going. I mean, I, I, I then watched us play Dortmund, and uh, within five minutes, Joe Willock's gone down on the far side. Mm. And I thought, well, yeah, he's, he's won the bet today, like it's going to be Joe today. It's getting absolutely ridiculous, it's getting absurd. I mean, it's getting to the stage where I hope, and I'm not trying to be a scaremonger here or anything. But I hope and I'm certain Eddie will be having a look at things and having an investigation to make certain nothing's happening in training that, that's heightening, like pressure training, and that's heightening. the. We are getting... Can you be as unlucky as this? I guess the answer must be yes, but we are getting so many injuries, and not one of them, by the way, is a niggle where he's going to miss Saturday, but he then plays the following Tuesday. The guy's out for ages. We get... Guys going down, whether it's Byrne, whether it's Barnes, whether it was Willick originally, in out for an eternity. Right. Well, we play a very, very high tempo game. Yeah, exactly. Which very is high. stress, physical stress. Yes. Now, um, and, and the football authorities are purposefully holding Newcastle back on their numbers. And considering the fixture list that they have to include the Champions League and Cup fixtures and what have you on top of the Premier League, um, what, what the football authorities are doing is actually uh, um, making, it, making it so that footballers are under risk of constant injury because they're having to over, overdo things because there aren't the there aren't the other numbers to come in um, when somebody needs to, to rest a little. Um, and when you think that Manchester City, they can put out two sides of equal strength, just about. That's their first team squad. Two teams. Newcastle, they're struggling to find one at the moment. Yeah, um, but I mean, that builds up over a period of time, doesn't it? Uh, and we are just starting this journey, Man City. Yes. You know, on this yes. journey but there should be a special dispensation. If you qualify for the Champions League, then Newcastle should have been allowed to, to, to at least bring in another three or four players. They'll, they'll never do that for individual clubs or Malcolm because those players you bring in, the three or four you brought in because you've made the Champions League, can also play in your Premier League side. And yes. that's everybody else in the country to disadvantage. Or we can top up by another four who will go on and help us beat you in the Premier League. Uh, they'll never, ever, ever, ever go down that route. Uh, but I know where you're coming from. Sure, sure. But, and also, John, that we, we played this high-tempo game 
And, oh. and players are putting themselves at greater stress playing that type of a game than they are a, a, a slower. Yeah. Um, but of course, that's our choice to play a high tempo game. Yes, that's yeah, the choice. Play, but playing devil's numbers. Yeah. Playing devil's advocate, they would say, well, that's your chance, your choice to play yeah. high tempo. And you're going to have to play the kids if, if it happens. The interesting thing, Malcolm, what you're saying about people becoming exhausted because of the high tempo game we play, and we're playing three games a week, Saturday, midweek, Saturday, every week, is that. We were almost beaten, I felt, before we went out to Dortmund because two of our greatest high-tempo players, Almiron and Gordon, were deemed exhausted enough by the manager, who's the only guy that'll know because he sees them in training every day. They were yeah. deemed exhausted enough for, for them not to be able to start in Dortmund. And consequently, we went out to the team in Dortmund. We had Levramenko, a top, top, player but a 21 year old right back who kicked off on the right wing because mm. Almeida couldn't play we had Hall playing at left back who was at kickoff the youngest ever Newcastle United player to play in the Champions League ironically that title was taken off him about an hour later when Lewis Miley went on because he was younger still uh, yeah. but you know and, and we had a skipper in a much Gordon Lascelles who kind of get in the team when when everybody's fit, kind of getting the team and his mm -hmm. is in the Champions League. We were right down to the bones. But to be able to have to go into a match of the importance of Dortmund to the Champions League places and not be able to start Gordon. And by the way, I can understand why we couldn't start Gordon and Almiron. I watched Gordon very closely at the end of the Arsenal game and he was magnificent in the effort he put in, which he always is. Yes. At the end, he couldn't drag himself off the pitch on the final whistle. Mm. His legs, he was that exhausted with all the running he did, because remember he ended up centre-forward when That's he right. went off. He was that exhausted, he couldn't drag himself off the pitch. So it wasn't a surprise that he couldn't start in Dortmund. But by, you know, when you have Almiron and Gordon, who you hope just to bring on late uh, as an impact sub, but of course things changed and Wilson did his And ironically, run. John, that Murphy went down in the first few minutes. Oh, yeah. Originally, yes, well, it's, yes, against Oslo when he did his shoulder yeah, again. Yeah, so he, so he was a a, a, a a potential replacement for either one of those two guys. Well, sure, and sure. He was, he was the injured. on the other side. He's out, so there, there was yeah. you know changes couldn't be made. And I mean, we couldn't fill our bench. We had four mm, category yes. players on the bench. We had two goalkeepers on the bench. Two goalkeepers on the bench, four academy players, and we couldn't get nine. That's mm. how badly off we were. Never mind, never mind. Yeah, okay. Uh, we have got a, a message from somebody uh, this morning. It is from uh, Stuart who says, Hi, he says, when Malcolm's next on, could he please give a shout out to my mum, Pat Lawrence, the lady who claimed to have seen Malcolm in, his eight, in, in the 80s at Bedford train station in a white suit. He said I she had a... She had a terrible fall at home in August. She's broken her shoulder and her arm, and she's been recovering ever since in a care facility. So can you give a shout-out to Pat Lawrence, Malcolm? Oh, indeed, yes. I'm sorry to hear um, the, the, what's befallen you, um, Pat. And, uh, yeah, I, I used to use uh, Bedford Station regular. I, I lived not far away from there. 
um, about sort of five miles north of Bedford um, uh, when I was playing for Arsenal and then um, when I was managing Fulham. So, um, yeah, and, and thoroughly enjoyed it there. Uh, but, oh dear, Pat, I'm really sorry to hear the trouble that's befallen you. So, uh, I do wish you well, a speedy recovery and, and back to top health. I'm certain, you know, when I, when I, Steve, when I got a look at Malcolm just before the Arsenal game, that that flipping white suit had come out of the cleaners <laughs> again and he was wearing it. I mean, uh... <laughs> well, he is hobnobbing it with a rightly these days at the match, so and rightly got, so. Yeah, but uh, I... that white suit might have to come back out the wardrobe and no, a couple of kids. No, and he's I've got no white suits in the wardrobe <laughs> these days. <laughs> hey, I've, still, I've still got those kipper ties, mate. Don't worry about it. The lovely, the lovely thing about the kipper tie is you don't have to put a shirt on because you kind of see the shirt. That's you can true. just see the tie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, okay, let's let's speak about Dortmund. The Champions League. Look, we knew it was going to be tough. The group of death is now really is the group of death with it. With Milan beating PSG, it's put a cat amongst the pigeons. Newcastle in two games have gone from top to bottom, but it's still. All there for the take, and Newcastle will have to do it the hard way. They've got to go to PSG and get at least a point and then beat Milan at home and hope the other results have gone their way. Two wins, of course, would see Newcastle go through, but with a with an ever-diminishing squad, it's going to be difficult. Um, but what I will say, Malcolm, is Dortmund, they're a good team. They weren't fancied, um, you know, they weren't fancied when this group of death was announced. In fact, they were, you know, probably looked at as 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 Newcastle were, you know, the team that was probably going to be fighting for the Europa spot but they, you know they've done a, they've done fantastically well um they deserve the victory at St James's Park they deserve the victory uh on on Tuesday night from my perspective I didn't I didn't feel too disappointed especially with the side that Newcastle put out I mean we had Miley on the bench we had Debol on the bench we had Parkinson on the bench and Newcastle mm -hmm. missing a whole host of players um I had Joe Linton scored the header Things might have been different, but um, we, we're still in it, Malcolm. That was the way I felt when we came when we came out of it. It's going to be hard, but we're still in it. Yeah, for me, the, um, Dortmund, they are the, the best side out of all four, without any shadow of doubt. Um, but when you think that, that Newcastle, they have had um, a lot of success this season so far in their results with a very high-paced high pressure game Dortmund were even higher paced and putting on higher pressure I thought they were absolutely superb um, on Tuesday night I really did uh, they, um, they they were actually quicker in everything that they did than Newcastle and Newcastle usually their streets ahead of everybody else um, and, and so, uh, yeah, they will, they will for sure, uh, finish top. Um, but can we go to PSG and win? Is that so impossible? I just, I just have the feeling after what I saw at, at St. James Park for all the possession that PSG had, they hardly got a shot at goal, and, uh, and Newcastle. What they did to PSG, they did to Arsenal just last Saturday. 
they reduced Arsenal to one shot at goal um, over the 90 minutes. So if that's, if, if that's achievable over there in Paris, who knows? Newcastle may well get a result. I think, though, that we need to see some of the injuries. I was going um, to say, Malcolm, you, you fit the nail on the head. I was going to say, for me, if Steve said to me now, well, will we get a result in Paris? Can we get a result in Paris? My immediate answer would be it depends on what team we put out. If we've got Gordon and Almirin sitting on the bench and we're, we're playing kids mm. like uh, like Hall and bringing Miley on, and these are going to be great kids, but I'm talking about in the Champions League now, then it's very difficult. I think Paris remind me of typical sides that are so arrogant, so aloof, think God owes them a living, that they, they travel horribly, but they do okay at home. They stuck their hand away. They went. They, they they come to us. They lost to the AC Milan. Who hadn't won a game the other night, but they produce a result at home where they've just got to get out of bed and go to the stadium, do their little bit, and go home. They produce results at home, which makes it hard. Um, it, if we, it's all if with us, isn't it? If only. I mean, I've been waiting for games to catch up with Newcastle. Newcastle have been defying the odds. But King Canute couldn't tell the, the, the sea to go back and it went back every time he told it to. It, it doesn't happen that way. And we we have been... I mean, how we produced that Arsenal? But when you think of Arsenal, how much did we expand in, in terms of energy and commitment mm -hmm. in the Arsenal game? To go Intrigue. to the well again, to go to the well again a couple, two, three days mm -hmm. later and have to play at the same intensity with half your players missing becomes impossible. I mean, the only the only team to beat Newcastle in their, in their last 13 fixtures is Dortmund, who did it twice. Yes. They're the only team to beat them in the last 13. But each time I've seen the defiance of Newcastle, I mean, we went down to Manchester United with the reserve side, and I thought, we're going to get hammered. And mm. we hammered them. Then we come up and we yeah. play Arsenal unbeaten, going for the title, and we beat them. But you can't keep doing that at some stage unless you get all your players out. It's going to catch up with you in a caught up with Newcastle. I would love to have seen the full Newcastle side, everybody available, taking on Dortmund home and away and see what happens with everybody available. I mean, with yes. Barnes available and yeah, hell of a game. Available and with uh, your two, uh, you know, and both your centre forwards, Wilson and Isaac, to rotate. Available. I would like to play them on an even playing field, mm. um, because I mean they were they, they were terrific. I mean the bad results, Steve. We talk about you know, and we've now gone from top to bottom, and it's going to be mission impossible. If we're truthful, we we could well be playing for Europa League place, couldn't we? Yes. We we just get beat in, in we just get beat in uh, in Paris and then the last game is the decider for the Europa, mm -hmm. Europa League. I mean that's the way it will probably work, uh, work out under the circumstances. But you look at the other night when we lost 2-0 and yes we had a flurry at the beginning of the second half, etc etc and then got very done on the counter attack where Trippier, who's by the way, he's 
been burnt out more than anybody recently. I mean, mm. he had his backside taken out, and even the great things he does, he set piece assists. I mean, he is. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the, even on set pieces, he's. He, they scored the second goal. They scored. He looks at John as if he can't get the ball above ten feet. They scored the second goal on his free kick outside their penalty area. Yes, which that's right. And counter-attacked and scored and killed mm. the game when we were doing our best bit. Yeah, we and struggling. it wasn't one or two. It was three. Three of them. We are struggling uh, physically. There, there's no question about that. And it's a shame because... But the killer result wasn't losing 2-0 in Dortmund. It was losing 1-0 to Dortmund yeah. here. That's yes. what changed the whole face of everything. Yeah. If we win our three home games, which was PSG, Dortmund and AC Milan, which were more than capable of at St. James's Park, then we're, we're through. Then we're okay. The, the, the killer was the result 1-0 at St. James's Park. That's what turned the whole thing on its head, having come after the most wonderful night we've had against Paris Saint-Germain. But hey, we've got to pick ourselves up, go once more at Bournemouth and then get a fortnight's rest. Ironically, not a rest for the players good enough to be in international squads, but a rest for other players and mm -hmm. a chance in that fortnight to get closer to getting players back. Because boy, do we need that. So we've got to be able to go one more time at Bournemouth. Yes. Um, yeah, it's yeah, coming at a good time, isn't it, that break? Oh, yes. Wait, one when he's... One with knees, Malcolm. We need it big time. Okay, halfway through the show, time for the ads. A big thanks to all our sponsors Skips and Bins, telephone 0800 2545 253. Email inquiries at skipsandbins.com. Website skipsandbins.com. Easy contract free and pay as you go waste collection. Thanks to Mr. Vicky Sources, handmade in Cumbria. You can find out more about them from their website, mrvickies.co.uk. Or by calling 01768 210102. Thanks to Media Arts for all the help with the video side of things. And thanks to United Group Travel, UK coach holiday firm based in Mortmouth. There's no strangers on their tours, just people you haven't met yet. They're now taking bookings for 2024. You can call 01670 or 07957-141-654 or go to the website unitedgrouptravel.com Please subscribe to the channel. Hit the subscribe button underneath the video today. We still do seven shows a week. Hit the thumb up under the video to like it. It does us a big favour. Click share to share to your other social media and let people know about NUFC Matters. We're also a podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and other podcast providers. If you want to help the show financially, you can take out a £25 one-off membership. You get a scarf, a pen, a cup, and a membership card. How do you get it? Go to nufcmatters.com, look for membership. If you've got a smartphone, then put your smartphone over the QR code, and it will take you straight to that section on the website. We also support the food bank on this channel. You can donate to the food bank today by going to nufcfansfoodbank.co.uk. We do support events on this channel as well. If you've got an event, please send it in and we'll promote it. 
The Time Theatre and Opera House are doing a Keegan, Beardsley and Waddle event, the class of 84, 25th of January, 2024. Book now by calling 08 And the Tyneside Irish Centre, they're doing an event with Frank Clark and John Gibson on Thursday, December the 7th. You can get tickets from nufcmatters.com and they are priced at £15. There's also some uh, tickets available on Group 1. Don't forget, you can catch me five days a week, Monday to Friday, with Rye, Dave and Daz on the Northeast Footy Brecky Show, 7 till 9, and you can catch us on The Red, The Toon and The Cat and on Toon Radio's website. What's up us on the day? 033-043-2002. The perfect way to start your day. Okay, uh, Keith Elliott, good morning. Uh, he sent me uh, uh, an email via his brother, Bill. He says, I've got a question for the gentleman on your various shows. He says, especially Supermac and Gibbo. What do you think about moving Kieran Trippier to midfield and virtually taking the place of Tonali? He can pass, tackle, he's got the energy and distribute the ball. Importantly, he would be in physically a better position to motivate the team even more than he does now. Eddie's got plenty of full-backs to cover. Dan Byrne needs a rest. Well, he's got one now because he's injured. And be available to move into the middle to cover any future injuries. And it's funny because I'd also had a question, exactly the similar kind of mindset from John Hackett. Do you think suspension and in, with, with suspensions and injuries in midfield, we might see Trippier moving into there like Barry Venison did in the 90s. It could prolong his career too. So that was a that was a fairly quick no, Malcolm. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I don't think that's a good idea at all. Um Playing playing at fullback, um, you you if, if this makes sense, because you've got the touchline very close to you um, to your right uh, to your right side, and so you're you're playing that sort of um, fifty percent vision of the pitch. You see the whole of the pitch. Um, go into the very middle of the park. And it's 360 degrees around you. Um, it's an entirely different game. Um, and uh, no, you, you, you centre forwards don't don't go well into uh, midfield, and certainly um, the odd defender can. But uh, no, not not Trippier. I, I really think that's a bad idea. Uh, it, 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 it won't work. Um, it, he's got a huge amount of experience, um, at, but I think that that at right back or even at left back, that's where he's best, showing that experience and, and letting the side benefit from it. What's your thoughts, John? Yeah, um, I would be reluctant, uh, as Malcolm said, <clears throat> and for most of the reasons Malcolm said, um, and especially at the moment, I mean, I think he's looking exhausted and very wasteful yeah. from the ball now. What that would be exposed in the middle of the park. I think if if the middle of the park is going to need a bit of tweaking and a bit of um, uh, rotating, which is what uh, Eddie likes to do, I think the two gambles he would take rather than Trippier would be moving Hall in there who, when he was at Chelsea, played a lot mm. in the middle of the park mm. before he became a left-back. So yes. he would, would move Hall in there. 
And then nearer time, when he gets a couple of more experienced players around him, I think we'll see Miley featuring in there before the end of the yeah. season. He's only 17, but what a future he's going to have. And I think he will, and he's a natural midfielder, by the way. Um, so I think that he would come into there as well. Um, <clears throat> I mean, Malcolm has repeatedly banged the drum, and I think rightly so, at how good a player Levomenko is. And he, but to get him in the mm-hmm. side, he can play Trippier left back. And especially yeah. now, Burns injured. I mean, I would have done it in any case. But with Burn injured, you can easily move Trippier over there. And by the way, one final thing on Lefferamenko. I thought he was our best player in Dortmund. And mm. he was only 21, playing in the Champions League. And he played in three different positions in an hour and a half. He played right back, left back and right wing. And played all three positions comfortably, by the way. Oh, he did. Yes. How how good is he, lads? Alan Thompson asked. I think he's a superstar in the making. Do you agree? I mean, you're right. He played. He was asked oh. to do three positions. I think the I think the big thing about that is it shows Eddie Howe trusts the player as well that he totally. that he, mo- that he totally. moved him around. Yes, he's hugely responsible. Um, yeah, he's got a great head on his shoulders, um, and 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 he's he's got a uh, um, his, his positioning is excellent. Uh, and oh dear me, I think he's got one hell of a future. Uh, I mean, I, I've said in the Chronicle, I mean, superstar is a huge word because you've got to justify that, and that takes time to become a superstar. I mean, there's a lot of very good players at Newcastle, senior players, who mm. aren't quite superstars, but they're good players. So, superstar is a big word. But, you know, it was said he's a star of tomorrow. I think he's a star today. Yes, not a superstar, but a star. Yeah, and he's a star today that that could become stellar. Oh, I mean, Hall is possibly a star of tomorrow. Yes, Levomenko is a star today. Mm-hmm. He is well capable of being irregular in the Newcastle United side because he's unflustered, he's got great vision, he doesn't play in blinkers, he's got a good touch, he's got pace about him. It doesn't matter how high up the field he is, he's still comfortable and he's yes. comfortable with the game in front of him at fullback. So, I mean, he is a massive plus that's come out of all this and I'm certain will keep his place at Bournemouth because I think he would play Trippier at left-back and mm-hmm. uh, Livermenko at right back at Bournemouth. Um, and he deserves it because he hasn't played a lot in the Premier League for us. Um, but I think uh, with Burn injured, it's opened up where he can do that with the team. And sure, he, he hasn't had a bad game at all, John. No. Oh, I he mean, he's bad five I, minutes. I, I, he has got the builders in to make his. Um, to make his mantelpiece a bit larger because he can't get all the man of the matches awards <laughs> in there at the moment. They're falling off the edges, so he's getting a little extension. I mean, he must be man. He must have played three games: Man yeah. City, Man United, in the League Cup, and that that game at Dortmund, and arguably being Newcastle's man of the match in all three games. Mm. Yeah, and and he's played sort of different roles because again, that oh, first yes. game at Man City against Man City. That, that was a man-for-man marking job, and he did the job brilliantly, um, and just stopped the fella from playing. On Grealish, yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 he's uh, the run on the goal when he set up a goal. Uh, it was it uh, Manu, uh, mm-hmm. 
what a yes. run, what vision there was there. He is a star now. He's yeah. not a star of tomorrow. The star of tomorrow is Hall and Miley. The star now is Leverminkel. Yes. Yeah, and he can't yeah. be ignored. Tino no. Libramento no. is going to be England's right back as well. There's no doubt about it. He's he's a natural replacement for Trippier um, at club and country level. So um, it'll be great to watch his progress. Uh, certainly done well um, in, in in you know getting him on board. Jinky Smith, what 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 whatever happened to Jinky Smith was a question there, John. I've lost it on the screen now, but uh, one of our one of our regulars asked us that. He's still alive and well, isn't he? Yes, yes, he is. Yeah. Um, he, he is, and he's still getting round uh, reunions with the players. He loves. He's never been one for the limelight. He looked as if he was on the field because he played with that arrogance and wanted to nutmeg people. And but off the field, he's always quiet. He, he would never do talkings to go and talk on stage. Not his idea of life. Uh, so, but he is still very much around. He still very much meets up with a lot of old pals from his old playing days, especially, funny enough, the guys who weren't the superstars. You know, he, he's, he's big friends with Ray Ellison and uh, uh, John Cowan and various, mm -hmm. all those boys. And and he's a very good, good friend of theirs. And um, still very much a, a, a lad who, like so many Newcastle players, I always say, come to Newcastle, and you fall in love with the city and how many top top players who aren't from this area live in the city now malcolm is obviously one of them bob monker scott is one of them jim smith is one of them david craig from northern ireland is another mm -hmm. one wants to come here and fall in love with the area and i mean you know uh ollie bernard and and Nobby Solano spends as much time in the northeast as he does in Peru or in Sweden. Yeah, he's over he, here at the moment, Nobby. Yeah, he, I mean, he just loves Newcastle. He would be here yeah. permanently. But um, yeah. look, what, what, job, what took him back was the coaching job that he did. Sorry? But, but that's yes, come to, to Peru. To yeah. Peru. He was a That's come to an end and he's back here. Yeah. Well, he went over to Fleetly to Sweden, didn't he? Uh, yes. To manage in the second division, but uh, but he's back. But loads and loads of players who uh, weren't from this area come to this area and either go away to be managers or to play elsewhere, but they eventually drift back. Um, it, it's that sort of area. Now I'm a little bit biased, so I can understand where all these boys are coming from, but because uh, they're coming back to God's own country. Okay, uh, we're going to look ahead now to uh, the uh, game this coming weekend. Newcastle United, of course, uh, take on Bournemouth uh, in their final game before the uh, the latest of our international breaks. And uh, this is the Eddie Howe derby. Uh, it's a 5.30 kickoff. It is live on Sky Sports at the Vitality Stadium. And uh, Newcastle come into the game looking to extend a seven-game unbeaten run in the Premier League. Uh, they are undefeated in the Premier League on this ground in all five visits, winning twice and drawing on three occasions. Big doubt now over Callum Wilson, sadly. Uh, he was taken off at half-time in Dortmund with a hamstring issue. Uh, it doesn't sound promising. Uh, it doesn't sound like he will be risked. And sounds no, he's, if... he's had this problem for ages. He's going to have a rest. He's going to have yeah, a rest, so, isn't he? I'm sure. So, yeah. yeah he, he, he's just um, overstretching. Um, yeah. What's already a problem for him anyway? Uh, so he joins Dan Byrne, 
Sandro Tonali, Sven Botman, Harvey Barnes, Jacob Murphy, Elliot Anderson, Matt Target, Javier Manquillo, Alexander Isaac, and Bruno, who was suspended for this game after hitting the five-card mark. Good news. Well, there is some. Emil Kraft and Matt Ritchie, who were both admitted from the Champions League squad, are both available for this game. Uh, Sean Longstaff goes into this game uh, one booking away from an automatic one-match ban, so he's on four yellow cards. Uh, as for Bournemouth, uh, they have uh, a new man in the dugout these days, Andoni I. Raula. Uh, his side have just won once in 11 Premier League games this season to date. That was a 2-1 home success against Burnley. Referee's been announced. Uh, that is Chris Kavanagh. It's his second appearance of the season uh, handling the Newcastle game. The other one was the 1-0 Carabao Cup win over Manchester City. And on VAR, it is John Brooks. This is a... Uh, the next game, it's a big game because it's the next game, Malcolm. It's um, it's a game Newcastle with with a full strength side would certainly be looking to to go down and, and win and capitalise on. Um, but it's tough when you read that list. It's it's a team in itself that's on the sidelines, Mal. Yeah, it is, it is, um, and uh, and this is where I find the, this um, fair play charter um, so dreadfully unfair that, that when somebody's got a heavy. Uh, heavy um, uh, number of games uh, that, that, uh, that, that, that this is all very very much against them and of course you, you, you read that injury list out and it's quite frightening um, and it's all and it it's mainly all strains um, and that's that's players at, um, being overworked and it's the number of games that are, that's causing it um, along with the this high tempo game that Newcastle play, uh, well, then it, it, it still gives people a chance, and, and we've had this we've had this wonderful um, uh, surprise uh, with Liveramento. Um, Hall is looking as if he's um, a, a perfect replacement um, wherever, and. Uh, and, and there will be one or two others as well. It's when Newcastle's on a bit of a high at the moment. I know we've just lost to Dortmund um, twice, but nevertheless, we're still on a bit of a high. Um, uh, there's a lot of confidence in the dressing room, and and when you when you put a couple of lads, young players in there, they feed off that confidence, um, and uh, and 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 so that sort of enriches them when they, when they get out on the field. To play a senior game, um, I, I, I think that uh, that Bournemouth are under severe pressure at the moment. Um, uh, that uh, relegation is is absolutely looming on them, and uh, uh, they're going to be in a, a dogfight all the way to the end of the season with the three sides that were promoted uh, last season. So. Um, yeah, there's three out of four um, to be relegated, and uh, and Bournemouth is sadly one one of those four. Um, and uh, you, it does make you wonder <clears throat> when a when a club its its maximum gate is just over eleven thousand. How can they compete against the Man Uniteds and the Liverpools and the Newcastles? Um, and so on and so forth. The Arsenal's and Tottenham's—they've really 
been playing so way above their station. What they've achieved is brilliant. And I, um, and, and very uh, similar, if not more so, un, under Eddie Howe when he was the manager there. Um, he had five unbelievable seasons. Um, and well, and, and before then, he took them up. I think it was from uh, level four to level one in about five years, was it, John? Yeah, I mean, they were when he took over, Malcolm, they were in danger of going non-league. That's out right. Yes. Yeah. So he, yeah, he he catapulted over three quarters of the football clubs in, in the football league. It was it was quite incredible. Um, and 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 so well done them. But there's not a lot more than that that they that they're likely to achieve, simply because. Uh, that, that, that circumstance will always hold them back. You know, yep. eleven thousand. When you, that's that's only a, a seventh of what Man United can get into Old Trafford. You know, sure. it's a seventh of the of the income um, and so on and so forth. It's uh, it, it really is a, a, a very difficult battle. For them and and the and the Premiership, it and the clubs within it is totally unforgiving. Yeah, um, Rich Rich Jobler makes a point just about the injuries. He's saying they aren't all strains. He said um, it's a bit of a media narrative that he said Barnes's foot injury was a freak injury. Isaac's injured. Um, he says with Sweden, Tonali was banned. Um, he says I could go on, but don't get sucked into the media narrative that Eddie's working them too hard. He said. Botman injuries are wait and see, so we don't exactly know what that is. Obviously, we know that Dan Byrne landed on his back badly against Arsenal. Yes. So I, I yes. get, I get, I think Rich makes a valid point. Oh, well, yes, but that all related to the amount of football that's being played. Um, that's that's the point that I'm that I'm making. They're very much football stress injuries. Dan Byrne's back stress injury. Um, it, yes, he landed badly, um, and, uh, and and you know when when he was making the jump, um, was he going up there totally a hundred percent in strength and what have you, or or was he just somewhat tiring a bit, and that caused him to come down awkwardly? Yeah, you know, what, what's your thoughts? What's your thought? I mean, we've. I've, We've had injury lists before, but this one is this one is freakish, really. Yes. I mean, it's, oh, it's... I mean, yeah, you, you've got to believe. The only reason people are delving into it is because it's either it's so freakish that we are so unlucky, and you can never get uh, as mm. bad a look as this again. Yes, we're taking Tenali and Bruno out of the situation because Tenali, they're both banned. Tenali for. The rest of his life in, in, in Bruno for one game, <clears throat> which I think this is just my thought, incidentally, guys. But I think Bruno and Newcastle United looked at the Bruno situation, says you're one booking off a one match suspension, <clears throat> you've got to last an eternity of games without a booking, which is beyond Bruno. So at some stage, he's going to be banned. You may as well be yellow carded against Arsenal because the one game you miss is Bournemouth away. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a, an easier game than 
when we come back and we'll play Chelsea up here and then we'll play Man United and then yeah. and then we play in the... Yeah, it's quite back. a thought, is that, John? So, so go out and get... And by the way, don't be naive. That goes on. I did it a yeah. couple of times at Gateshead where I sent one of my players out and said, get booked because then you miss run corn instead of missing Wickham Wanderers who are going in the football league, etc. Mm. etc. Et mm. And now I did say go out and get booked by messing about time wasting in the in the last three minutes of a game so that it, it doesn't hurt anybody and it doesn't put us down to ten men. But when you look at him against Arsenal, I mean he was charging round. He he looked as if he wanted to be booked. First of all he's trying to elbow some Arsenal player in the head when he's running yeah. And, and then he did another foul which was quite ludicrous and then he did the one which he actually got booked on and did a real Lawrence of Olivier and went down clutching his head and appealing oh I'm unlucky and I didn't mean to do that no not much uh, if he's going to miss a game it's better to miss this one when it looks as if you could go with Longstaff, Joe Linton and Willock in midfield Wilson might have messed that up because if he goes missing, Gordon goes in and he plays on the left wing. But this was a there's never a good time to be without a star player. But sure. there's a better sure. time. So there's a better time than it was some, a Machiavellian uh, booking then. Oh well, I tell you what, he, he went about now. I wanted to stop the game and say to the ref, for God's sake, give him yellow cards so we can get on <laughs> the game. Um, <laughs> because uh, and I honestly believe, being light-hearted, and I have no inside information, but it happens in football. Of course, mm -hmm. in football, you won. Do you think Bruno could go six games on the trot without getting booked? Not a, not the way he plays at all, whatsoever. Yeah. And I thought, if the referee doesn't book him now, he's going to swallow his chewing gum and be lying gurgling on the floor like, you know, but he get booked that way. But um, yes, it, it it does make it difficult down there. Um, I've been trying to look at the team he could field and we never know, you know, all of a sudden we didn't think we were going to go without Gordon and Almirin in the starting lineup. But we could go Pope, Pope Lefemenko, Charles, Sells, Trippier, midfield, Longstaff, Joe Linton, Willick, Front three, Almirin, Wilson, Gordon. If Wilson can't play, and, and he's going to get a fortnight's rest afterwards, mm. but if it's a hammy, you, you can't play. Um, Gordon would have to go to centre forward. Then what do you do? Well, I guess you move Willock or Joe Linton to outside left, and you'd probably bring Young Hall into midfield where he, where he can, or even gamble on Miley um, at this stage of life. But... Mm. Um, we're down to the bare bones. It is good that at least we get Kraft and Ritchie back on the bench. Yes. To go with Dummett and Yeah, well, John, you could play Ritchie on the left-hand side. Yes, you could. You could play him because mm. he's going back to Bournemouth as well. So That's it would right. be an emotional match for him. It would be an emotional... Yeah, he could play outside left. Yeah, no yeah. yeah. Make him for the day. He used to do that, and he's going back. It's ironic we're talking about Wilson going back and how going back, yes. but of course Richie's going back, and he could oh, get Trippier's could going get... back. Sorry, Trippier as oh, well. Trippier's going back as well. Oh, well, and the manager in in Mad Dog is anybody that's Jordy. 
I mean, everybody's <laughs> gone out. I mean, there's, and they'll be, st by the way, we're not playing for a fortnight after that, so they're all staying down there on the holidays and going on they the beach and, giving, and on the donkeys and giving <laughs> it up to Daisy for a couple of weeks to rest the limbs. But um, getting back to the match and the serious business, and two things hit me. One, we cannot afford to lose. Yeah. Uh, because yes. we're still playing a bit of catch-up in the league. And if we love the Champions League, and by the way, you've just got to remember Paris Saint-Germain up here to, to realise how much we're in love with the Champions League, then yeah. you've got to get points this season to qualify next season because the competition is huge this year. I mean, Liverpool and Spurs are making a huge effort to be in that top four uh, where last season they weren't anywhere near that four. I know yes. Manchester United are out the four, but those two were making a huge run for the four. So we're playing catch-up. Now, people don't care whether you're tired or whether you've got injuries or it's only results of matter. We've got to go to Bournemouth and try to get maximum points. Absolutely, John. Yeah. We've, got to, we've got to go elsewhere where it's much more difficult. They're on the mm -hmm. bones of their backside. They're in the bottom three. Going down already, I suggest, it's either the three promoted sides in Bournemouth. It'll come three of the four to go yes, down. With, with our full side, it would be no contest. We would win in a canter. Without our full side, and it's very much not our full side, I still think we'll nick it, but it'll take a Herculean effort. But I'm going for Newcastle to win. Yeah, but it's that opportunity for, for youngsters to get in there and shine. I'm going for a Newcastle 2-0, Malcolm. What are you going for? Ah, that's exactly what I'm going for. 2-0. 2, -nil. two -nil, right. John? Yeah, well, I said Newcastle win. 1-0 uh, or 2-0. Um, I don't care. If they want to win 8 like they did at Sheffield United, then I'll settle for it. I mean, very naughty, <laughs> very naughty all these people going back to Bournemouth and putting them down. Yeah. But um, needs must. Yeah, OK, that's three wins uh, for, for us on the panel today. Don't forget, if you want to meet Malcolm and John, uh, you can get yourself along to the Coaching Horses Anfield playing Thursday the 30th of November. Doors open 7 o'clock for a 7.30 start. Tickets are a tenner and they're available from the pub itself. Uh, just uh, give the uh, the bar a ring at the coaching horses and buy your tickets today. Tickets are selling fast for that. It's uh, in aid of Anfield playing FC. Lads, as always, been a pleasure. Catch you next Thursday at the same time. Take care, guys. All Take right. care, Enjoy your football, everyone. Take care.